0: Micro has found some time in his busy schedule to change his same jean shirt. It turns out, according to reports, he's not wearing the same shirt. He's wearing look-alike shirts. There, there you found a loom and you said, I can make one shirt I'm going to make it over and over again. Is that true?
1: Well, it, it goes deeper than that, Brian. The loom in question I built from <laughs> uh, trees and natural resources on my property right. in my attic. And so every morning now, you know, I'm teaching myself to uh, to sew and loom. And, yeah, that's where all my shirts come from. Uh, I dye it myself. You know, I grow the indigo here. It's turnkey.
0: Do you have a solar lathe?
1: I did, but I upgraded that for, I, I don't even know if you're up to speed with what's going on now, but they've got a moon-powered lathe. Oh, moon, that right. Takes the, right, so it's no good during, you know, the dark. Period, but right. when the moon is full, the reflection is powerful enough to drive the lathe as well as the loom. So we've got, we're dialed in over here. For yeah,
0: sure. I've been using moon energy for a long time. I didn't know you were. So this has really caught me by surprise.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? I uh, I I I I read somewhere that it really worked, and I believed it because I believe everything I read today. Right. You see, and so yeah, it's all coming together for me.
0: Yeah, that's, I couldn't believe that's how confused... Really
1: the sign of the times.
0: Right. You know, I'm really confused because I've been listening to podcasts and I take all of them as scripture. So I believe that everything <laughs> that I ever heard ever is true. So, You know, you, we talked
1: about this last week, sort of, when you yeah. were gracious enough to carve a few moments from your very busy schedule to sit on my podcast. And it struck me. I wish we'd have talked more about this weird sort of nexus between the need to be skeptical and the need to be able to trust somebody, something, somewhere. You know, it just really seems to be the thing that's creating so much of the confusion around us right now. We just can't seem to find that sweet spot.
0: Well, I know. By the way, the way we heard it, you were kind enough to interview me. We finally worked out a way that I could actually go on your podcast, use audio and video. You know, you have that awkward moment where I just stare straight ahead and you stare at me and I keep saying, can you hear me? And you can't. And I was, it was I'm trouble- actually,
1: as soon as I get off, I'm going to post the video of that awkward moment, which was really four minutes long because people keep writing in saying, you know what? Your podcast was good. But that goat rodeo that precedes it where you and kill me ah! look <laughs> at technology like a cow looking at a new gate. That's the stuff we want to see. So.
0: Well, the yeah, other thing the was so I so I I do I tape the uh, the Saturday show that you can't get enough of. I so I have a chance to do that show, and then I do your podcast, and I go great. And all of a sudden, I I, I left my phone in my office. I just go meet with everyone I'm supposed to meet with. I come back; it's an emergency. Log off. <laughs> I have to. lie. Evidently, if I don't log off, there is no podcast. I had the control of your career. I always sought. I mean, I can, so I had to go find a way to log off.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just so your listeners understand, when you do a podcast on my platform, we say goodbye, but you don't really go anywhere. You just have to wait five seconds for everything to upload. Then you close your computer and go on with your life. You said goodbye, slammed the computer shut and ran out of your office so fast you left a hole in the wall shaped like you running, (laughs) which caused (laughs) my technical team all (laughs) kinds of trouble. But Look, it all it's all good. It's up. Everybody loves you. They're buying your book. You know, it was time well spent.
0: I agree. So, good news. Uh one of the first things we talked about is you were in a uh, went to a diner. And and it, the whole thing is it's a bigger picture now, but tell us about your math story.
1: Oh, yeah, it was just a very very small moment uh in an otherwise inconsequential meal, but I went to meet a buddy at a diner uh that morning. And, um, you know, I walked in quickly and he was sitting in a booth about 10 feet from the door. So I just walked straight to him and there was some screaming behind me. And the hostess had run back to her stand saying, sir, 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 I need I, I need to see your vaccination card. And I said, OK, you know, you know, don't want to make any trouble, but I'm already in. And for crying out loud, of course, I'm vaccinated. Everybody I, I live north of San Francisco. Everybody's vaccinated. So I showed her my card and she said, OK. And I said, thanks. And I turned to walk to the booth and she said, and could I just ask you to put on a mask while you walk over there to the booth? (laughs) And uh, I've I've never done this before. I'm not calling for civil disobedience. I'm not trying to be a jagged little pill. But it, it just struck me. The absurdity of the moment struck me. And I said, you know, I can't do that. And there was this weird, awkward pause, and she (laughs) looked at me behind her mask, and I looked at her, and my buddy is now maybe six feet from me, maskless. Everybody in the place is maskless, because they're all sitting down and eating. And I think something happened in the universe, Brian, at at least for her. And I don't want to put words into her her mind, but I could see something in her eyes, and she said, (laughs) she said, I understand. (laughs) And so... I smiled. I think she smiled from behind her mask. And I just walked and I sat down in flagrant violation of California state law.
0: Thank you. Uh, That is it's as crazy as Mike Rowe get. But that's now where the country is. As you know, New Jersey started at Connecticut, Illinois. And now today, uh, starting tomorrow, it's going to be announced today. The governor of New York state says no more if you're vaccinated, no more indoor masks. Obviously, no outdoor masks. You guys in California had outdoor masks or no restaurants at all. Now they're realizing it, and they can't even control the narrative anymore. Mike, what happened? Why are these blue states waking up?
1: Well, I think Hans Christian Andersen answered the question perfectly many years ago when he wrote a great fable called The Emperor's New Clothes, when the emperor was convinced that his tailors had made him beautiful garments when in fact they hadn't made him anything at all. He was naked, sitting on his chair naked, being paraded down the street as throngs of thousands of people in the town came out and everybody applauded and everybody oohed and odd because nobody wanted to admit that the emperor was naked. So they all pretended he had these beautiful clothes on until a kid standing in the front row is looking around and he sees the naked emperor and he's like hey man that that dude's naked and once he said it other kids said it and then some adults said it and then people began to nod and then very quickly it became clear that the emperor's new clothes didn't exist and so in some way i think that's what we've been living through for the last couple of years we've been asked to believe that which is unbelievable. We've been asked to lend credibility to that, which is incredulous. We know it makes no sense to stand cheek to jowl in an airport, uh, you know, or sit cheek to jowl on a plane and then stand six feet apart in an airport. We know it makes no sense to walk through a diner with a mask only to take it off when you're seated you know we know it makes no sense to cover a kid's face who's two years old or five years old or 15 years old so they can go to school we know it's we know it and yet for two years very few people said anything well now the kids spoke up and people are nodding their heads and we're coming out of our uh, our stupor
0: So you, you mentioned on Friday, last Friday, you, I think this is a turning point, this Hopkins study. And I said, Mike, I, I hope so, but no one's covering it. They're not carrying it. Well, on the Sunday shows, they started talking about the hygiene theater, my words. But they started saying, you know, this might not be effective and the shutdown was this. And I even saw it on CNN at 9 in the morning. They actually said, the Hopkins study said that a lot of these uh, a lot of these sacrifices and restrictions didn't amount to much, didn't save much. And now we're in the situation now where it's rippling through, and I keep can't get my eyes off Canada. When I see these truckers ringed Ottawa, and they're now blocking a bridge that goes to Michigan, and they're saying we don't we don't even want mandates just for us lifted. We want it up for the whole country, and three provinces have crashed. These are the truck drivers of the world, the anonymous people that deliver the food and the packages and allow you to rebuild your house because the materials are at your doorstep or at a Home Depot. They have had enough. Are you fascinated by this as a a man who knows more working class people than almost anybody else?
1: Well, I'm not surprised by it. It does confirm something that I've always believed, which is simply that. The kinds of workers we're talking about, whether they're truckers or plumbers or steam fitters or pipe fitters or, you know, they're on the front line of work, which means they're also engaging with the public in a in a pretty unique way. They they have a take on what's happening, especially the truckers. I mean, these guys, they have basically been in lockdown their whole lives. They live in relative isolation. They travel, but they're alone by and large. And so I think that as a group, they've got a really unique perspective. And of course, my take on the whole thing is that right now we're between 50 and 60,000 truckers short of where we need to be in this country. I don't even know what the numbers are in North America. But you ignore the truckers at your peril. Because if those guys, well, we're seeing it happen right now. They're parked and they're sitting there and the wheels are gonna come off the bus. I don't, I don't think they're holding the country hostage. I don't think they're doing anything outside of their, their right to do. But I think among the other things that they're reminding people of is the simple fact that these whole, that this whole lockdown would have been unsurvivable without people in trucks bringing the things to your home that you need, whether it's your food, whether it doesn't matter, they are truly on the front line of civilized life right now. You can't ignore them.
0: I hear you, and guess what? Just to tell you, in New Zealand, a convoy of freedom protesters, standing up against vaccine mandates. Believe it or not, New Zealand and Australia extremely oppressive, and in America, according to Brian Brass, a trucker who's organized the American effort, is going to start in Sacramento, could go to right to Washington D.C. Man, uh, I know that Joe Biden likes to get uh, – I know that he will fear being helpless to this. But if they want to ring Washington, D.C., we know they could shut that down. It's basically shut down anyway with all the traffic. So that is um, uh, that is a pro- problem they can avoid by releasing all the restrictions. Lastly uh, – you know, go ahead. Uh,
1: well, I was just going to say we've said before that th- this thing ends when it goes splat. I don't know what splat is means exactly, but it's gonna be a critical mass. It's 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 maybe it's a trucking convoy, maybe it's some kind of civil disobedience, maybe it's, you know, look, it's, it's the Democrats in Virginia chose a hill to die on regarding the mask mandates. And from what I can tell this morning, they died on it. Their own party has turned on them. It's changing. It's changing in Virginia don't know when or how it's going to happen in New York or when or how it's going to happen in D.C., but it's going to happen. There's just no playbook for it, but we're coming out of this thing, and we're doing it in fits and starts, and ultimately that's good news.
0: A couple of things. You've been on the air for 30 years. Joe Rogan's been doing between stand-up and his podcast. He's been saying he's been doing it for 10 years. Uh, I imagine if you've been on television, on stage, on stage, for this amount of time, There's some things you said in the 90s that don't hold up in 2020. I never thought I had to say that. But now they're trying to cancel him. They're trying to cancel The Rock, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Howard Stern, on things that they say that were a whole lot of, maybe not acceptable then, was just on the edge. Now they would never say it individually, I imagined. Here's Joe Rogan on this new revelation, cut 19. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, like all this is a relief. Because it's like just because that that video had always been out there, right? It's like this is a political hit job, and yes. so they're taking all this stuff that I've ever said that's wrong and smooshing it all together, right? But it's good because it makes me address some that I really wish wasn't out there. You should apologize if you regret something. I do think you have to be very careful to not apologize for nonsense. Correct. So there, you know, you Dave Portnoy, who's always trying to be canceled, he's always on the edge and barstool. He says, "I will never apologize." Rogan got yelled at by the pre- uh, President Trump. Says you should never apologize. We know that's how he feels. So did uh, Governor DeSantis. He said you can't apologize. How do you feel about what's going on right now and how they're attacking him?
1: I apologize, but I'm sorry. If I, you know, he, we're talking about a compilation tape where Joe used that word that we're not allowed to say anymore, even if you're talking about how evil that word is. Right. I listened to something over the weekend uh, your listeners would probably love. Um, Sam Harris has a podcast called Making Sense, and he just talks about the 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 childlike way that we've become enthralled to the language and the mystical and the magical powers that we've assigned to certain words. And we're grownups trying to have a grown-up conversation about the changing lexicon and the various rhetorical devices we use, that has nothing to do with racism. But if we're not allowed to use the words in the context of the conversation about the changing nature of the language, then we just don't understand the difference between hate and syntax. And that makes us us children. So, look, if you're sorry— apologize if you're not sorry say i know what was in my heart i know what was intended and so no i can't i can't do the perp walk for something that i don't feel sorry for that's my view but don't it's (laughs) ask me tomorrow it might evolve brian (laughs) right everything is always changing fast
0: well the one thing doesn't change your podcast is great the way i heard it um you also the host of Dirty Jobs. It's back in action on Discovery and How America Works on Fox Business. You are a very busy guy, Mike. That's a lot of jean shirts.
1: Well, look, at the the risk of throwing my arm out, patting myself on the back, our next round of work ethic scholarships coming up in a week and a half on Microworks. We've got a million dollars we're giving away to people who want to learn to drive a truck, uh, run a welding torch, learn plumbing, or maybe build a loom in their attic, powered by moonlight, in order to keep their own garments.
0: Everything's full and circle. Mike awesome. Rowe, thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Brian. Take care. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.